Katie Books Productions presents Lenny Gray, an audio drama written, produced, and narrated by Earl Sewell. Previously on Lenny Gray, said Lily. She walked back to her car and returned with a clipboard and a packet of documents. Everything you want to know about the program is right in here. We could read through it right now if you want to, said Lily, not realizing that she'd inadvertently made Lenny Gray and Curly feel the sting of being illiterate. Uh, we'll read through it on our own if it's all the same to you, Curly said, accepting the packet. Well, okay. We'll give you folks a few days to go through the stuff and come back and answer any questions you might have, said Harry. Thank you, Curly mumbled. Well, it's a really good program and one that you should take advantage of. Harry paused. Well, you folks have a great day. Uh, uh, you do the same. Lily and Harry smiled as they moved towards their car. Once inside, Lily waved to Leyuna, Martha, and Christine again as she and Harry drove away. thankful for all of the blessings the Lord had provided to her and her family. After so many years of struggle and tragedy, she was delighted that she had a small area of her life that she could smile about and be happy with. The government program that she and Curly had the courage to sign up for changed their lives. They no longer had to work under the constant threats of Mr. Bettis, who had taken sick last winter. His health got so bad that he turned as pale as a sheet of paper. Ultimately, circumstances forced him to sell his farmland and move to Georgia. Some families who worked for him stayed in the area and signed up for the government program like Curly and Lenny Gray. Others took their chances and moved to northern cities where they heard there was plenty of work in the factories due to the war. Another small group of folks took even a greater chance and moved to California. The new house was a major improvement to the shanty she and Curly used to call home. The house was painted white and had a white picket fence. It had indoor plumbing, electricity, and it didn't leak when it rained. The house came with a government-built barn, a wagon, and a plot of land that she and her family could farm on their own. They harvested and sold their crop, and for the first time in their lives, Mr. Bettis didn't swindle them out of their profits. However, neither Lenny Gray nor Curly understood money or how it worked. They did not know how to save or budget. They did not have the ability to travel around for better deals or prices. They were still stuck buying goods from those who cheated and swindled them through inflated prices and their ignorance. 
For the first time in their lives, they had resources to purchase items of necessity, and as soon as they got paid, they'd immediately spend all of their money. Uh, we done the right thing by signing up for the government program, Lenny, Curly said to Lenny Gray. Having a nicer dwelling to live in, coupled with seeing the rewards of his hard work, boosted his self-confidence and self-worth. I know, Lenny Gray said, agreeing. I realize now how wrong Mr. Bettis did us, Curly mentioned as he sat down at the kitchen table he had purchased with the money he earned from their harvest. He done a lot of people wrong. Lenny Gray set a glass of sweet tea in front of him. Ain't much we can do about that now. It's in the past. I, I know it's, it's behind us, but I still got the right to be angry about it. All them years of back-breaking labor and work I'd done for him, and he never paid me what I was worth. He laughed at me, Lenny, and there was nothing I could say or do about it. Curly took a sip of the tea, wanting to sweeten the bitterness in his heart. Things will be better from now on, Curly. We got money from the harvest, we paid the house note, and we got food and clothes for the children. I don't like the fact that we still got to buy goods from Roy and J.W. over in Money, Mississippi, though. They are meaner than Mr. Bettis ever was. I, I know, Lenny. I, I know. Exhaling loudly, Lenny Gray said, I am grateful. Everyone has their own bed now, and nobody got to sleep on the pallet. And we still had enough money to buy a decent kitchen table and chairs for us to sit on and have dinner at. I think the worst is behind us now. It made me feel real good to buy flour and corn by the barrel. I even got a couple of cases of Jack Mackerel. I won't even have to go hunting for a squirrel and possum. Not anymore, at least not for a long time. Well, <laughs> I will go hunting just for the fun of it. Curly's heart swelled as he allowed the thought to linger in his mind. And I don't have to cook over no campfire no more. Lenny Gray chuckled before she sat down opposite of Curly at the kitchen table. She took a sip of her sweet tea and enjoyed this rare moment alone with Curly. They really never had the opportunity to enjoy moments like this because they were always dealing with some survival necessity or the children. He hadn't raised his hand against her in a while, but he still made and drank moonshine, which would cause his temper to show its ugly face. Turn on the radio, Curly. I want to hear some music, Lenny Gray said. Curly didn't budge. You know I don't like to run the radio too much because it runs the batteries down. I can hear one or two songs, can't I? We got enough money now to buy new batteries when we need them. I guess it don't matter since I'm going to buy one that plugs into the wall next time I make money at the market. Curly stood and moved over to the brown cathedral-shaped radio situated on a top shelf and turned it on. Billie Holiday's soulful and sorrowful voice filled the space between them. The words made both Lenny Gray and Curly pause. It was the tonality of Billie Holiday's voice, the way she was able to speak the language of a wounded and broken soul. Lenny Gray thought about her children, Bud, 
Willie, Roosevelt, Mary, Minnie, Leuna, Martha, and Christine, and now Lenny Gray II, a daughter who she'd named after herself, who was only a few months old. Shortly after her birth, Lenny Gray cut her newborn daughter's hair and placed it in a box under the house along with the rest of the children's hair. Ida had told her about the ritual and this old wives' tale. The idea was that when you bury your children's hair under the house, they would always remain safe and they would never leave home. Lenny Gray's chest began to tighten as her thoughts unleashed unpleasant images in her mind. Not long ago, she saw someone's son swinging from a tree. She had come across the body while in a pasture picking berries. His hands were tied behind his back and his eyes were bulging out of their sockets. Lenny Gray remembered running from the body as John, the one-armed gravedigger, was on his way to it to cut it down and place it in a coffin. J.W. and Roy Bryant had killed someone's child to send a message of fear and hate. They had no conscience about the murder and talked about it with the sheriff over beer and a sandwich. Her voice just hits hard, Curly said, slurping his tea. She just knows how to put feeling into a song is all. Lenny Gray sighed. That's why she's so good. The world needs her. I think she helps people to understand how hurtful and painful being black can get. On the eve of Minnie's 10th birthday, everyone washed their face and hands and gathered at the kitchen table to enjoy a special dinner and dessert that Lenny Gray had prepared. She made everyone's plate and then joined them. They bowed their heads and listened to Bud stammer through the grace and then began eating hurriedly, which annoyed Lenny Gray. She had hoped they would take the time to enjoy the meal she had cooked. Instead, they raced through their meal as if it was their last one or that they would not eat again for a very long time. All of you need to take the time and chew your food. Lenny Gray fussed and focused her attention on Bud, Willie, and Roosevelt. Bud and Willie looked at each other briefly, and as much as they could, tried not to compete with each other by shoveling food into their mouths. It was then that she realized that her children didn't have any table manners. She would have to show them the proper way, the way that Tangy May had so often talked about because she had seen and heard white people talk about table manners when she worked as a maid in their house. Snapping out of her thoughts about Tangy May, Lenny Gray noticed that Willie seemed distant. She nudged Curly and nodded her head in the direction of their son. With biscuit crumbs stuck in his whiskers, Curly asked, uh, wh What's wrong with you, Willie? Let her come for me today. I had Mary read it to me. He scooted his food around on his plate. What did it say? Curly stabbed a morsel of chicken with his fork, placed it in his mouth, and began chewing on one side of it to avoid touching a sensitive tooth that needed to be pulled. They say I got to go, Willie whispered. Willie, what are you talking about? Lenny Gray braced herself for a hit 
she wasn't sure she had the strength to take. She sat still, held her breath, and waited for Willie to speak again. Why can't I be like Bud, huh? They ain't making him go. He had to sign up for the draft just like I did. Willie's outburst forced everyone to stop eating and focus on him. Oh, God, they want you to go to the wall? Lenny Gray asked. Willie didn't have to say a word. The solemn expression on his face was confirmation. Lenny Gray felt as if she had just been punched in the gut with one of Curly's cold fists. What, what, what do you mean that you, what, what do you mean by that, that, that Willie? I, I, I want to go. I just couldn't pass the test is all. If I didn't, didn't shake, 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 shake so much when I'm trying to sit still, I, I, I could go. Bud said defensively. I mean, I want to be like you so I don't have to go, Willie explained. Want me to run over your, 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 your head with a with, 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 with wagon wheel? Bud placed his fork on the table and looked at his brother. He was more than willing to do this thing for Willie, no matter how odd it sound. Ain't nobody gonna run over his head, Curly finally spoke. Lenny Gray felt as if death had descended upon her and placed its cold hands on her shoulders yet again. She felt a familiar chill run the length of her spine, the same chill she felt when she lost Tommy. The devil didn't come to take another one of her children, she thought. Mama, is you okay? asked Bud. 